Our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You Bethlehem land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When, he, when they heard the king, they went and look. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Good morning. So it's been a week, huh? I am um, I have Grayson behind this camera. I'm talking with all of you with this camera, with Grayson behind it. And so Grayson gets the privilege of being the person I am preaching to this morning. I don't know how he feels about that, but <laughs> that's how it works. Um, yeah, it's been a week. It's a source of debate among those who give sermons and those who listen to sermons. What to do? When something happens out in the world that is so big, it's hard to ignore on Sunday morning. Do you carry on with your planned sermon? Do you change what you were planning to say? And if so, by how much? In that debate, I've always felt that ignoring the elephant in the room was the poorer choice. But of course, it was all theoretical to me until this week. Today, we are all here with current events on our mind. How could we not be? On Wednesday, the day it all went down, 
my family was honoring Three Kings Day. As we gathered around the dinner table with the traditional Puerto Rican feast of lechon, arroz con gandules, pasteles, we were subdued instead of celebratory, reflective instead of raucous. We remarked that none of us had ever seen anything quite like this and noted that it was one thing for our 21-year-old daughter to say that. But that same fact carried much more weight for my 88-year-old father, who had seen a lot more in his lifetime than she. And so if I walk in here and pretend that all is well and talk about Epiphany and Three Kings Day celebrations without any relation to what happened this week, which was my original plan, how out of touch does that make me? Make this. Especially now, when we're already disconnected from each other physically. And most importantly, how is that helping our faith to be relevant? Because as Christians... As followers of Jesus, our faith must be relevant. It is supposed to inform everything we do. It is our light on the path and our conscience in confusing times. What happens in the world must somehow inform what gets said in this space so that we grow in our faith, so that we are able to apply our faith to our day-to-day lives, and so that we, each and every one of us, can help bring hope and healing to our broken world. And so, what could the age-old story of the Magi have to tell us today, this week? There are probably as many answers to that as there are people. But ultimately, for me, it comes down to this. This is our origin story as Christians. This is where it all started. Now, I'm not saying that the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible doesn't count. Of course it does. But today, in this scripture... Our story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begins. Perhaps it is time for us to revisit the beginning of our Christian faith in order to reset ourselves and to remind ourselves what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. Because I do not think it is a radical thing to say that Christianity today often looks very little like the teachings of Jesus. Starting with that baby born in lowly surroundings to relatively poor parents, honored by local sheep herders and foreign priests alike, the teachings of Jesus have been and are 
about love. Matthew writes, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's pretty clear. And it's not a suggestion. Those are commandments to love God and to love our neighbors. Jesus tells us very clearly, the entire witness of scripture hangs on these two commandments. Everything else comes from them. And he never contradicts this statement. If you were to go no further in your search for the meaning of Jesus' teachings, those two commandments would give you the foundation you need. If you do want to go further, and we're going to, the Gospels are where these foundations are laid. Remember, we're sticking with the basics now. So while the Gospels do have some meaningful but honestly sometimes confusing parables and stories, there are also plenty of clear and vibrant passages that show us Jesus' vision and his expectations. Both Matthew and Luke record Jesus' first sermon in similar fashion, including the well-known Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. These statements alone turn things completely upside down. In Luke, they are followed with these words. But I say, and this is Jesus speaking, to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And he continues. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Okay. Those are some plainly spoken words. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Give to those who bake from you. Hmm. Those words are not easy to hear and even harder to follow. But those are his words, and the message is clear. And in John's account of what we now call the Last Supper, in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, 
he tells the disciples, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know you are my disciples when you love each other. And just in case they or we missed it, he says it again just a short while later in chapter 15. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Those are among his final words to his cherished disciples. Love each other. This love is what Jesus tried to teach us over and over again. He taught us with his words in parables, in sermons, in conversations, in small group discussions. He taught us with his actions, healing society's outcasts, weeping over the death of his friend, stopping Peter when he drew his sword in the garden of Gethsemane, and healing the Roman soldier Peter ineptly injured in the effort. Ultimately, dying for us in a brutal crucifixion when just a few words uttered from his own mouth would have saved him. Now, I am not naive. I'm not a Pollyanna. I know the challenges. So did Jesus, really. He was, after all, fully human and fully divine. He knew. But still, love. It is what Jesus tried to teach us over and over again. So I say we stick with the basics. Love God. Love your neighbors. Love each other. Love your enemies. I said I didn't want to ignore what was going on outside the walls of our church. <clears throat> when the events of this past week made me scared and angry and shook me to my core, I struggled. And I won't lie to you. The images of Christianity mixed into the images of violence and rage and hate were jarring for me. They were disturbing. Because love is what Jesus commands. We must love with our words. Words matter. We must love with our actions, caring, advocating, and even sacrificing for one another, friends, strangers, and enemies. To love as an action verb is what we as followers of Jesus are called to do. 
acts of love are how we bring the kingdom of God to our earth.